Guys, here we are. Dang, man, we got just a couple episodes left. We are wrapping up the second season of No Ride Around. And, dude, we've covered a lot of ground, but we have some uncovered ground to go over today. Yeah. Um, this year, like when I think back to those remote episodes that we did. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know it wasn't that long ago. It feels like forever ago. It, here's how long ago it feels like. Abby the other day, she goes, COVID's over, right? And like, she wasn't, <laughs> she wasn't saying it in a way like, like she wasn't acting silly. She yeah. was just being kind of funny a little bit and saying like, mm-hmm. hey, because so much of life seems like we found a, a way to continue on. So you're right, dude, like those remote episodes, think about before that. Think about back to like, when we kicked this season off and we're talking about how we're going to march to Leadville and all these things. Mm-hmm. And we have had such a spinner thrown at us. But uh, I'm proud of how we've adapted. I think we've done pretty good. I just saw another company. I'm not going to name them. Um, but they just sent out an email blast today that said, our, our podcast is back. And I'm like, bitches, what you Bitch, been doing? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> what have you been doing for the last six months? In defense of those guys, they do run a massive, massive bike shop online retail thing. So, you know, I get it. But uh, Yeah, whatever. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> mo- mo- most of that's Google Analytics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we have had much to, you know, some, some real, I don't want to say real, that's wrong. Cause our races are real, but we've had some more organized racing. We've had the Highlands Ranch series and then the Rattler race series finally started squeezing some, uh, and it's weird. I think originally the Rattler race series, they were only going to do the junior cup. Dude, say Rattler again. Rattler? How, no, say it how you say it. I don't know, Rattler. No, no. How no, did I say no. it? I don't know. It was. I enjoyed it. I'm very southern sometimes. <laughs> Leave me alone. No, I like. I liked the way. I feel a little weird about how much I enjoyed the way you said it. I've got. Um, now that you got me on the spot, I don't know how I said it. I've got. A, I've got. She's no longer a part of our family, but she was for quite some time, and she couldn't say the word brewery. And every time she said it, brewery. She, no, she said brewery. Brewery. And uh, I would go out of my way to try to get that word to come out of her mouth. Um, well, regardless, uh, I think those races were supposed to only be junior cup to start. And then for whatever reason or other, they, they added the adult races in. Not even for whatever reason. Here's what I think. I think they saw the first couple of Highlands Ranch series races because I remember the director of the Rattler series come over and he says, Hey guys, this weekend we added the senior cup. We just did it two days ago. I think Mm -hmm. he was watching the success of how these things were happening. And, um, you know what's funny too, and I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, so I won't name any race directors. But <laughs> of the races I've done, like they've done a very good job online and through the email messaging and the regulations on like BikeReg.com. Like here are all of our COVID policies, and here's all of our thing. And it's going to be safe. And then you get there, and you're just like, dude, it's bike racing. Well, you know this, which that, is good. that was a, I appreciate. No, that. no, no. Um, you know, again, right or wrong, whatever the case is, I think it's a. a just being considerate to, to do the mask thing. I think I hate them, but I wear them, right? Yeah. Um, and one of the biggest things, and it didn't settle in until after the race, the uh, the one in Castle Rock, that I was like, Castle Rock's on their own program. <laughs> <laughs> well, Douglas County yeah. has wanted to um, kind of be their own. Yeah. But it, you was, know- it, but it was surprising because the HRCA races – I think you had pretty high compliance with 
you know, all the mask stuff. Yeah, but let's be real, dude. Like once the racing started, but once the racing, racing. And, you know, the, once the racing started, it was all bets are off for sure. It, right, and that's what, what what I'm getting at is, and I like I appreciate that. Yeah. Right. Um, I was explaining to one <laughs> be of, right, be wrong, be fast. <laughs> right. I was explaining to one of the one of the guys that works for us at the gym, um, and I was I was talking about filters, you know, mm-hmm. and like I, I I love everyone that walks into the gym because it, it, they've gone through so many filters to be there. Mm-hmm. So even if they seem on the surface wildly different than me um i'm all about it because they they're my they're my people right Right. people at a bike race like even the biggest dick at a bike race Mm -hmm. he's still my people more than like the the dick at the grocery store yeah right because there's a lot of filters and i was telling this to him because i said uh we we were going to play some hoops i was gonna play basketball for the first time in like three years just because i was watching a lot of the denver nuggets nba playoffs and uh this private pickup game i know about wasn't going on and the guy who invites me to it goes, hey, do you want to go with Devin, the guy at the gym, and I to Wash Park? And I was like, no, dude, I'm not going to Wash Park. And he's like, well, why not? I'm like, those people haven't gone through my filter. So, because like, <laughs> anyone can go to yeah, the park, totally, right? Totally. And I'm not saying that the people at the park are bad. Like, by no means am I trying to make this like a social thing, right? I'm just saying anyone can show up at the park and be like, I'm going to hoop. And you've got to go through a lot of filters to be at a bike race or to be in the gym or yeah. to be in this bike shop. Um so I, you're my people already. Right. I got it. I got you. I hear you. Anyhow, I was explaining that. Um, so the the last race didn't go great for me. That's a story for another time. But I ended up in a little bit of a uh, a dark place, and then you get to thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're just where I was in that race. I I just wanted to finish. Like I knew it wasn't going to be impressive, and it could have been dead fucking last. But I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna not finish. Right. Right. Um, I remember you saying you can't not finish a two hour bike. Race. You can't, you can't, I mean, <laughs> you can want to not, yeah, no, I know but, you can hope like, that you crash bad enough that you can't, right. <laughs> you can hope for a mechanical, but you can't just pull the plug. Right. Right. Um, and to reference something we spoke about in the Highlands ranch race recap, um, talking about a racer who conducted themselves in a, in a poor way. Um, I propose the idea of coming up with a code of conduct for racers and most specifically our racers, our racers. Yeah. Um, if, and again, to reference the, the racer that I ran into, um, who told me to fuck off and was generally not a cool person. If at no point his race director or his one of his team captains didn't give him a set of rules to follow as a racer, you know, like how mad can can I be at that kid? Right, right. He didn't know. Uh, I mean, he knew. I mean, as a decent <laughs> human, you should know. But um, and so th- I think you know we we started this season with a list of rules that were outlined by you know some random group of people on the internet. We had a couple of our own, um, but I think a code of conduct is a little bit different in the sense that like it, it's, it's rooted in a set of values. Yeah. And so I thought it'd be good to have something like that lined out for our racers and then maybe some other teams pick it up and maybe other, you know, maybe it gets some traction. So when you're talking about this code of conduct, the way I kind of think of it is this. Like, I told my wife 
when she was just my girlfriend, I'm like, hey, I'm, 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 I think I'm all the way into you. Let's get married. Mm-hmm. And then like, all right, we're well, going to get married. And then we had kind of figure some stuff out. And then that day, that wedding day, you do vows. And some people do like the scripted vows, right? Mm-hmm. But most people, and I don't think many people do the scripted anymore, except for people that are still Catholic, which means they're kind of confused. And so anyway, but that's another thing. <laughs> but, but most people write their own vows. Yeah. And I remember when we were writing our vows that... Like, you know, I'm a showman, so I kind of, like, you want it to be funny, you want it to be sweet, you want it to kind of have a little deal, whatever. But at the end of the day, I had to sit down and write vows, as did she. And even if I never revisit those vows again, they were articulating the fabric of kind of who I was and put into some sentences so I could say them publicly. So if we put together this racer's code, it may not be something that is said every time, every day, at every race, before every race. But what we're doing is we're gonna we're putting our feelings out there. Uh, we're putting ourselves. It's on our sleeve. Hey, this is how you are. This is how why you are, are how you are. And if this isn't your flavor, then we're probably not the best fit for you. Yeah, definitely. So any new member is gonna have to listen to this episode. Yep. Yeah, definitely. That's how it works. And any current member who's kind of a dick, but we love you anyway, <laughs> is gonna have to listen to this episode. And I just looked in a mirror when I said that. <laughs> Um, so I think we just jump right in. Yeah, let's do it. Um, you, you've told me a quote before though on leadership. Uh, I believe we were talking about this, that no matter the size, no matter how big a size of a, of a group is, do you remember what I'm talking sure, about? Yeah, here? yeah. It, it's less of a quote and more of a mentality. Um, and I can't take credit for it. Um, cause I heard it on the Jocko podcast, Right. but basically regardless of the size of the team, whether it's two twenty or 200, um, it's up to the leader to lead that group and not have the cop out of, well, that's too many people for me to manage. Right. So this is our planting of the flag. Is yeah. What I might say. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so I think the first one, I think the, the, you know, the first, should we read your definition here? Just so everybody. Listening, oh, sure. Like, yeah. Go for your, it. Put your you, head straight. You do it. Right. So a, a code of conduct clarifies an organization's mission, values, and principles, linking them with standards of professional conduct. The code articulates the value the organization wishes to foster in leaders and employees, and in doing so, defines desired behavior. Yep. Except in this case, our employees are racers, and they don't get paid shit. No, but like <laughs> we're going to give you a free like tube if you blow a tire. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you get a podium, you get your race fee back. Dude, so aside, <laughs> I'm riding yesterday at the Peaks Trail uh-huh. for the flowers. I mean, for the leaves, yeah. but the leaves that look like flowers. Yeah. It's ridiculous. With Abby. And we're doing out back on Peaks Trail. And she puts her hands up, and I was like, sweet gloves. And much like any time I see her get new stuff, I'm like, bitch, where'd you get that? <laughs> and, and, and how'd you buy Who it? Who bought you that? Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm a dick. And she goes, this was my race entry fee prize. Yep. And I was like, oh, yeah. What? Yep. And I'm like, dude, Harley, because yep. I kind of felt like we were pulling from the right pocket to put in the left pocket on that one. But I was super appreciative and not just me. She was so jazzed. Yeah. And now she's got a pair of gloves that like she earned. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Jacked. It was, and I I felt good doing it. It was so funny too, because like, you know, Chad's going to make me go broke. Chad's going to tear you off. (laughs) Chad's like, I'm going to sign for Cape Epic (laughs) in Podium. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, he, uh, I forgot about it, honestly, because, you know, I, one, there wasn't really much in the way of racing for the whole first part of the right. year. Um, and our races were free, so you got your entry feedback just by showing up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, 
Chad kind of hit me up about it. And I was like, honestly, dude, I forgot about it. And nobody was like, we didn't have any racers that were really going to be winning anything. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it wasn't being mean. It was just that, like no, realistic. Like, like, yeah, like like. Uh, so for those of you that are a little lost, what we're saying is, if you want to race, then you are going to reimburse your race entry fee with either credit at base camp, credit at E three, however some that worked combination. out. Yeah, however that worked out, and uh, and then we got Chad on the team, and he's just so you know you're like maybe dude, dude here's going to get third. Yeah, maybe a couple times. Yeah, there's a, a handful year. of promising guys on yeah. the team, and then and Chad just is like ringer, 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 yeah, ringer, ringer, ringer. Yeah, I think I actually still owe him one, but I'm not going to bring it up. Yeah, I wouldn't go out of your way. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I brought, he ordered a new bike because uh, you know he's riding on his talent level on a bike does not match the bike he races. Very well said. <laughs> um, and uh, he's like, can I just start putting it towards the bike? And I was kind of like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome to watch him. No, he, it's super cool. And he got interviewed by uh, by KOA, by a local news channel. For the Pikes Peak. Pikes Peak uh, Apex. Apex, which, which I totally forgot about and wanted to do that race. But Man, I've been tracking. I tracked every day of it and was was chatting with those guys down there. And um, super cool. He uh, he got his he got his lunch eaten on the last day, though. I saw he. Someone took his cornbread. Yeah. He. Uh, you know, I was looking at the results, of course, too, and he was like, every day he was like, top 25 finish. Yeah, he's like, 21, 21, 21, 52. Cratered. <laughs> right? Like, but uh, that's stage racing, though. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's, I was telling those guys, we were, we were down there pre riding it the week before, and I'm like, guys, you got to eat. You got to eat when you don't want to eat. You yeah. got to eat during the race when you don't want to eat. And then when you get done, the only thing you do is eating. Yeah. Like, you literally just got to eat. And it's not because you're hungry now, but it's because your body's going to be hungry in three days. Dude, I remember. On the fourth night of Breck Epic, sitting down to dinner, and every bite of food made me feel like I was going to throw up. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I just powered it down. If I could go back to those six days of Breck Epic and just Bill Murray groundhog those yeah, six days in a row. over and over. Over and over. It was and so over good. Dude, eat, rest, recover, ride, eat, yeah. race, ride. Amazing eat, trails. Dude. Oh, my gosh. I was on those trails this weekend. It was great. So um, Anyway. So we're back to the racer's code, and, and we're going to kind of work through this guy's linearly uh, much differently than how we started this episode. <laughs> but we're going to talk about commitment, and that's commitment to team, to training, to the lifestyle. And then we're going to talk through about like what you, what you really are, what you embody um, once you're part of, of an organization or a group, or in this case, the No Rider on team, what you represent, how you do that, what your action should be, and, and basically just if you need a blueprint on how to be a, on a race team, this is how you're going to be in the blueprint. Because we'd really opened the doors at the beginning of the season, and we invited a lot of people that wanted to do an event and wanted to have support. But we drew a hard line, and we said you had to do an event. You had to do no. an event. There was only two requirements to be in on the team. Yeah. You had to buy some version of our kit, whether it was the $45 baggy jersey or the Primo skin suit or whatever. You had to buy yep. a kit of some variety. You had to commit to one event and do it. And do it. Now, 2020 was weird. It was weird. But... That well, doesn't we, mean you can't do it because we started our own events. We made our own shit. <laughs> and then we have the final event, and there are four different versions. So everyone from triathletes to mountain bike to road people, gravel, like everyone can be involved. So if you don't do an event this year in the kit, you're not on the team for 21. Sorry. That's just the way it works. It is. And it's because we have to have integrity, right? Like I, I get so sick of so many places that are all bark and no bite, right? Like, like parking signs. Right, <laughs> can only park here for two hours. Yeah. Let's be real. How often are you gonna really get nailed for the two hours? It's all bark, no bite. That's why people park here all day. Yeah, definitely. 
So we're uh, biting. Yeah. So anyway, uh, commitment to the team. And part of what got me thinking about this um, is I think what I mean is when you're in the team, you're all in, right? Like it's not dabbling. It's And so what does being in the team mean? It means showing up at races. It means supporting your fellow racers on and on and on and on. Um, but then there's like layers to it. Like I remember thinking early two thousands still living in new Orleans and you could watch a little bit of bike racing. And there was a domestic team called team jelly belly and their kit, in my opinion, was disgusting. It was the one that had the jelly beans all over Just, it. Just it was white with jelly beans all jelly over beans it. Jelly beans all over it, right? And which jelly beans owns sport beans, which are the same freaking thing. They're the same thing. But they're twice the cost. Yeah. Um and so I just I remember at that time, you know, I was, you know, 20-year-old hot shot working my first real bike shop job. And I started making fun of these guys in the jelly belly kits in the sense of being like, can you imagine working your ass off to get a, a pro con- contract or, and then that's the kit you have to wear. And, you know, 20 years down the line, I'm thinking to myself, those guys must've been like, they didn't love the kit. But they loved what the kit represented. Right. And so they were all the way in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, different vein. Maybe touch someone hearing this this way too. The idea of being on a team isn't. It's not just the superstar. It's not just the top like two or three people that the team's all about, right? A team, like you said, has a ton of layers. So sometimes when I when I looked at this, I saw a commitment to the team. I I flashed real quickly. I told you I was going to watch a bunch of the NBA playoffs, and you know an NBA team will have like twelve guys on a team. Um, but there's five starters, and then there's a second rotation of like five guys, typically four to five that come in, you know, and they don't, give the starters a break, right? And they don't rotate just like hockey does, where it shifts. But they'll maybe maybe the four will come in together, sometimes two or three. But no matter what, there's always like three or four guys on the team that you never ever ever see until they're like in the regular season, the team's up by twenty, and there's a minute twenty three left, and they put all these scrubs in right. to like play, and these guys are just firing shots because they're yeah. like, they're like, whatever. I'm trying to get my points, dude. Yeah, I need some stats. You know exactly. So during the playoffs, though, they don't play those dudes, right? Like, there's too much on the line, right? You're playing your studs because that's who wins playoffs, studs. But man, I looked over and I watched the watched the bench, and these guys, they ha- they are not going to take the warm ups off all the the whole playoffs, right? And they're up and they're cheering and screaming. And they're like, one dude on the court dunks the ball, but the other guys are like flexing on the sidelines. And like, they're all the way crazy into it. And the 20 year old Harley version of me sees those guys. And I'm like, bro, what are you cheering for? Like, you literally haven't played in five months. Like, you're (laughs) not going to ever get to play in because like, you're just not good enough, you know? But in the inside of that team, that guy cheering, maybe at practice, he's like, the bulldog, you know what I mean? He's inspiring everybody. Maybe he has the heartbeat of the team. Maybe he's the funny guy, like at team dinner night, that like livens up the space. Or like he's critical because I could see in his energy, he, he's that engaged and he's critical. And the thing with commitment to the team, as I see it written in our show notes, and when I think about that, it's it's you're fully in the team, whether or not you're racing every race or you race one race of the year. 
whether or not you're the last guy to the parking lot at the end of the like you're sold out 100% in and you don't feel like there's clicks within the team. There are no clicks within a team. There's right. a team. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's being committed to the team is literally every piece of it. If it's, Hey, can you come by the shop to pick up the tent? Is it, you know, are you hanging around half an hour waiting for the last guy to come across the finish line? Uh, you know, yeah, just you're all in all the way in supportive of every person, every facet of the team. And if you're that way, everyone on the team is the same way for you. Yep. You know? And 100%. so that is that is so critical because I watch things get clicked out. Fortunately, again, the biggest thing in my life is is the gym, right? Um, and I have new people join all the time and they're like, dude, I don't know, I'm just not as everyone in here seems super fit. And so, it's so hard for everybody that you can't be clicky in the gym because yeah. everyone gets murdered, mm-hmm. right? The equally. Yeah. I mean the, the I, we've talked about this where I, I had my own reservations in that sense. And it's just like, when you're in it, I don't give a shit what anybody's doing. Right. Right. But and you're all part of the same thing together. Yep. And that's for the, for no ride around the team needs every freaking person. Yep. So I'll, I think we fucking beat the shit out of that one. Yeah. That one's, that, one, <laughs> that one's done, but that's the team, the training mm-hmm. that gets, I mean, I think the scale of the training can be unique to the racer, but I think the commitment needs to be, the level of commitment needs to be the same. Dude, I love that you said it that way because now I can go crazy. Yeah. But you're, that's exactly well said. I love that. Everyone's going to be a different scale, different intensity, durations, styles, things that really push them, whatever it may be. But so I married two women. Um, I married, they're in one human, right? They're in one human. I married two women. One existed from the moment I met her up until, um, this year. And then the other woman who's now come to the forefront is the, the woman that I married since she got that new mountain bike from you. Right. And I I mean, from you, because you rope-a-doped, okey-doped, just pigeonholed, screwed me into getting it. She started it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you two, you two belong on the same team. Um, this year of mountain biking, the like the woman I've seen in her is totally different. And this this goes to the to the training. Prior to her genuine love for mountain biking that's happened this year and what it's done to her as a person and everything, um, she would always go and do major events and just get by on just raw athletic yeah, ability. Abby's fit as fuck. Right, so she can go and. I haven't I haven't hiked all year. We'll do five 14ers this weekend and just grit through it. So she wanted to do the Seawees half marathon. It's the Lululemon uh sponsored half marathon up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do this. It was this is three years ago now. And she goes, I'm gonna do this half marathon. And I go, that's cool. You can do it. I'm all for it. Like she wasn't asking permission. She's like, I'm gonna go do it. I'm like, cool, but you know, it's flight, it's hotels, it's the the race was like five hundred bucks. Like all in, this is like over two grand to go do this deal. And I'm for it if you take it seriously. Now, my racing had gotten pretty serious at that point, and I understood what it took to like be invested and how much better it felt when you are invested, right? Um, and you see it to the finish line. She goes, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm like, no, seriously, like, you know, we'll build you a half marathon running table and, and do all the work because it'll be so much more rewarding to go and perform it than just like get through it, yeah. right? She goes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I finished it. I got, yeah. I got my sticker, I got right. my medal. I got my medal. Like it's one of these like you finish, you get a medal bullshit races, right? Okay, cool. I'm going to do that. All right, great. 
one day of run training, two days of run training, fucking nothing for the five months leading up to it. So she didn't do any training and she went and she did it, finished it. Right. I could have done better. It, yeah. You could have done yeah. better if you trained. I got an uncle the same way. He signs up for random shit and his comment is always, man, I wonder how fast it would have been if I trained for it. That's not cool. Right. It's not cool to just go and do something and then look back and be like, well, I wonder what I would have done if I had actually trained for this thing. Like, that's not like, that's not a haha. You're so cool and athletic and badass. Mm-hmm. How are you going to go? That's bullshit, dude. Like, wash your fucking car before you show up to the car show. Like, <laughs> totally. That's not cool. Yeah. Like, you got to commit to the training. No matter what level that means for you, you've got to commit to it because it will, ch- the training changes you. The event is a celebration. Mm-hmm. The event does not change you. The training changes you. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think, and, and I'm sure, or I hope you would support my suggestion here is like commit to an attainable level of training. Right. I'm all the way for that. Don't tell me. And I'm, I'm saying this out into the world as much as I'm saying it to myself, but don't sit there and tell me you're going to run two a days for 12 months leading up to your event. Knowing goddamn good and well that you might get two weeks of that in. But if you can commit to four really well-focused days a week, I think that's way better, right? No, no matter what, you need to set yourself up. Like as a coach, my job is to push an athlete just past the line where they wanted to go, but not so far past the line that you break their fucking leg, right? Right. <laughs> so you want to. So when setting a goal, like that's the idea, right? I wanna, I wanna set a goal that I do have to become a different human to get to it. But you're right, yeah, you're not gonna go from zero to a million, yeah. right? And actually, Strava has a super cool feature. Bill, I think now everyone's a paid member of Strava. If you aren't a paid member of Strava, <laughs> just, just pay the Just pay do it. it. Because, like, A, it's super cool what it does for you, but just pay for it. But you can set a yearly goal, and then that yearly goal will break down, and it'll show you at any point in time, like, if you're on pace or off yep. pace. And then you can set your weekly goal built off of your yearly goal, mm-hmm. and then it'll also tell you if you're on pace or off pace. And I'll tell you what, it's really neat to look down there and go, I'm 420 miles ahead of my year's goal. Yep. Like, yep. And I fell behind my yearly goal, caught up to it, and now I've I've got a pad. Right, and and like how neat is that yep. to have it? And yep. so there are a bunch of tricks like that for training. And fortunately, those of you listening have two people that you can talk to yeah. us about that. Any one of us. Um, but you've got to commit to the training. Going out and just doing a thing is not cool. Yep. Right, like couch to event without any preparation work whatsoever is just asinine. You're you're me in the GoPro games. Eight years ago, <laughs> racing paddle boards against Kyle Lenny. <laughs> the fact they let me do that was yeah, embarrassing. Right. And I was embarrassed. Matter of fact, I still think of myself today, limply hanging onto my paddle board, no paddle in hand, and bobbing down the rapids like an <laughs> ass clown in front of the cameras and the fans. And I had people there watching me. And I, I just remember wishing that the water would swallow me whole. Right. Because wishing I didn't. you could fade away to nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't deserve to be here. Right. And GoPro just let me sign up for this shit. Yeah. They're like, whatever. Just. Just, just be there. Um, so commit to the training, whatever, yeah. your, whatever your training load is, commit to it, commit to, to, to doing the work before the event. Totally. Um, and the last part of the commitment is committing to, there's a lifestyle associated with being a bike racer. And I think it follows the commitment to the training. It doesn't have to be this eat, sleep, breathe thing. 
it can scale to the the level of what your events are, but it goes, there's a lifestyle associated with being a bike racer that is more than just your workouts and your time on the bike. It's your sleep, it's your food, it's, you know, how much alcohol you char- choose to, to take in, um, what you do with your free time outside of training, who you're spending time, who with. you're spending time with. Like there's, there's a big lifestyle that, and again, it, it can scale. You know, if you're doing two 10 mile races, if you're, if your calendar is two 10 mile races in four months, like it can scale, right? but there's still a lifestyle lifestyle associated with getting performance out of yourself. You know, we have a cool gauge for that that almost tells us what our lifestyle is. So any one of you pull your phone up and scroll your Instagram and look and see what kind of shit Instagram's trying to sell you. Mm-hmm. And if you scroll long enough, it's infinite scroll, so you can scroll all freaking day. I know you have. My legs have fallen asleep on the toilet before. <laughs> it feels weird to stand up when your feet are numb. Yeah. But whatever you're being sold, right, consistently, yeah. like that's who you are. Yep. Right, like I know that sounds really creepy. No, and not but cool, now that you're saying like, it, I'm like, man, what is all? It's like, like, on it supplements, kettlebells, <laughs> workout shorts, like, and bike shit. Right, like, that's the stuff that is being sold to me right mine's, now. Mine's bike shit. Yeah, athletic clothes, some weird mud water shit, which isn't coffee, <laughs> but it's like supposed to be just as good as coffee. Yeah, I'm about to buy that shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, recovery tools. Yeah, right. Like, scroll, scroll. If you're being fed whiskey ads yeah. and now again we're not like teetotalers we're not saying yeah. don't don't drink harley's got i can see nine bottles of alcohol right now in the shop <laughs> <laughs> and we're sitting here um no judge but look at what you're being fed and yeah. if if you're being fed shit maybe it's time to like circle back and say okay are my goals and my person there's one a, the same if there's a whole shitload of i'm loving it ads popping up <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only clown <laughs> oh man so the, the lifestyle, and this is this thing is huge because I feel like we really have a lot of two-way pe- players in the world of sport. We have two-way players in the world of life, and you'll the the curtain will be pulled back on you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The curtain will be pulled back on you if you pick a goal big enough and, and scary enough and and whatnot. If you try to go after it without having a, co- a coinciding lifestyle, well, the curtain's going to come back. Yeah. I think if I have to, so growing up in the mountain bike culture, um, in the late nineties, there was this racer, Sean Palmer, and he was the, he was the rock star of downhill mountain biking. He was, if you Google Sean Palmer, he raced for specialized. He wore like gold LeMay track suits with a crown on the podium he was, I think he was sponsored probably by Mountain Dew. Um, he was the the first bad boy of mountain bike race. Now, granted, guys like this existed in motocross for ages, and it's no big surprise that he came from the snowboarding world. Um, but, uh, and there's actually a really cool, like, independently produced uh, movie about him on Vimeo. I think it's like six bucks, well worth it. Um, but this guy just had so much raw talent that for a couple of three years, he was the most hands down dominant American mountain biker that existed, but he could never crack this one French guy, uh, Nicholas Vuillot. And 
Vuyo lived an athlete's life. And this is in downhill. Downhill is supposed to be the, the extreme guys of the sport, right? And he trained and he ate like a cross-country racer. And then he was, they called him the alien because he was unstoppable. He won world champ after world champ after world champ. He continued racing well into the 2010s and, and teens and being good. And Sean Palmer was a flash in the pan because, you know, every for three years he had enough talent to be good, but didn't have the discipline to be great. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a good way to put it. Huh? <laughs> what an example in terms of we're not going to be standing on world champion no, boxes. No, but, but we, he never won a world champ. He always came second to Vuyo. But like we're at the end of everything you do, you have self-reflection and no one else matters at that self-reflection. So even if you got dead last in a bike race, in your big event, you got dead last, but was it your best to be, like, did you finish at your best? Maybe your best was dead last. Like, if I go and race, if you wanted to take the top 20 dudes from the Epic Rides Pro Open category, which I'm going to race against them next year, hopefully they have them, you take the top 20 dudes and they cap it at 20 and I somehow get in as a 20th dude, there's a very good chance I'm going to get 20th place. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay? Like, they're really good. Yeah, okay? totally. And a lot of them are like 15 years younger than me. Right. Which is horrible to say. But they are, right? Finsty is like way younger than me yeah. and he's stupid fast. But if I go out and I get 20th and I go, but dude, that was my very best, then I didn't get last. I got 20th, but it was my very best. But if I go out and I don't do crap for it and I just show up, I don't have the lifestyle, I don't have the discipline and I get 20th and I'm dead last, and I look at myself and I have that shame, like that's the difference between committing to the lifestyle and not. It's how you feel about you when the thing's over. And the lifestyle will show it. And I have a little funny quick one because I uh, I didn't get to come to cycling. Like you have these stories from like the 90s and all that. And I'm like, dude, I wasn't, I'm watching the, I was watching major sports, right? right. I, was, I was a major sports kid, Iowa kid. We just did the major sports, yeah. you know? Um, you just rode a bike to like get around and, steal pornos from the gas station. <laughs> like you didn't, you know, um, which there's no greater feeling than having like a stolen penthouse letters in the back of your jeans and riding back home. But, I got to say I never did that, but we got into plenty of other trouble on bikes. <laughs> so, uh, so I came to it later and my, my first, actually the first time I rode a road bike, you ready for this? Very first time I ever rode a road bike was for Colorado cyclist on a photo shoot. Okay. I had ridden mountain bikes. I had mountain bikes, you know, growing up, and I rode mountain bikes in high school, but I never had a road bike, like with drop bars and the shifters and all the stuff. And they booked me on it. And I'm like, yeah, dude, no big deal. I got this, whatever. So uh, I go in. fit guy. I look good in tights. Totally. Right. That was the whole deal. And I went and I remember I pulled a bike off like the truck because we were shooting on location. And I just pedaled around and started like figure. And I had to figure it all out on my own. Uh So I'm like, I I didn't know how to clip in. I didn't know how to do anything. And I sold myself to these guys because it was like 1500 bucks a day photo shoot. I'm like, I'm doing it. They know how to use road bike. Fast forward to where I am today. I worked for Pearl Izumi last week. We were doing some photo shoots. And this kid, young dude, super fit, six foot one, like jacked, good looking, lean black dude, like yeah. perfect cycle. Had not a fucking idea on how to put this stuff on. Comes out of the room. <laughs> Tell okay? me he had the bibs over the jersey. He had the bibs over the jersey. Oh, I love it. <laughs> he comes out of the room, bibs over the jersey. Here's better. He didn't know that the jersey unzipped. So he's trying to put like, the jersey on, his head and he goes, it. I can't get my head through it, and they just come over and unzip it. He comes in, bibs over the jersey. He didn't fucking know how to put anything on, dude. 
and he felt horrible. Like he was, yeah. he was super embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, bro, first of all, don't be embarrassed. Cause you look like a statue. You're like perfect yeah, you're, physique. Yeah. So like they're the nerds. Okay. <laughs> you're the stud. Yeah. Uh, but here's how you do this shit. And trust me, dude, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff when I started either. Right. Just started shooting for cycling companies like 06. Right. Mm-hmm. But dad, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. And I, I, I mean, I Google search stuff like in the dressing rooms, you know? And so he's chuckling. So I start helping him out because he's posing like, um, like he's in a JC Penney's ad. And I'm like, bro, there's no cufflinks on your jersey. So stop doing the like token JC Penney's pose, you know? So I had to work him through it. Yeah. He doesn't have the lifestyle. Yeah. But he tried to fake it. Yeah. Right? The lifestyle is all encompassing. And if you feel phony, right? If you're coming out of the dressing room with your bibs over your jersey, right? But, and, you know, it, it's a different team, but you were committed to that team and you helped that team member out. Totally did. And, he, and, and actually, what we did is he came out. And then we just, I, I made it public right. because, like, dude, we all know, yeah. right? And so then it just became a funny thing. Yeah. And uh, he was talking about how he struggled. It took him two hours to shave his legs. He said, I've never shaved my legs before. You know, I didn't know how to do <laughs> it. Like, bro, get and some I'm like, air. dude, you didn't do the electric before the blade? He goes, no, I just did the blade right away. I'm like, dude, you're whacking weeds, man. Yeah, it took, yeah no so wonder it took you two hours. We just made fun out of it. And uh, I got a great relationship with the dude. The guy, the guy's cool now, you know? Nice, um, nice. But that's part of it. Maybe he starts riding bikes. You never know. Never know. Um, so we harped on commitment, but it's, I think it's the, the foundation, right? right? It's probably the most important of all the things that we're going to cover right now. If you're not going to cover those, th- if you're not going to do those three things, then the rest of this doesn't apply to you. Yeah. Fast forward. Yeah. Move on. Click on to wait for the next episode. Yeah. It's going to be fun. <laughs> It'll be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but if you're in the commitment, yep. then the rest of this is worth it. Yep. Um, so this should, I, I oftentimes think, think that things should be just known, like mm. goes without saying type stuff, but oftentimes that's not the case. So represent your team and your sponsors positively at all times. If you're on a team and you're associated with a team, that team is associated with sponsors, you can't be a bad reflection of any of them because that backlash, like the backlash goes layers deeper than you just being a jerk with a no ride around sticker on your on your car. Right. And this one... I understand why this one can be hard for some people. Um, and I'm only going to say this because I know areas of this that would be, have been challenging for me in the past. Um, I get a free Jersey. Now I'm not part of this team, but I get a free Jersey. Um, my buddy worked for a company, he gives me a free Jersey and it's got the brand of a bike on it that I don't own that brand of bike. Mm-hmm. And I would wear the jersey, but I'm not associated with that brand of bike. And so I'm like, that doesn't really feel right. And I'm giving the jersey away. So on No Ride Around, Norco is one of our sponsors this year. Not everybody on No Ride Around has a Norco. Correct. Okay. So I can understand how somebody could be on the team and be like, questioned maybe. Oh, these are your sponsors. But yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, I ride a insert other bike brand yeah, name. Yeah, whatever. Okay. But the people who run your team are on Norcos and have a relationship with Norco and have a respect for Norco and what it stands for this year, right? And you support that too. Now, whether or not you have a Norco, you should be part of a team that you trust the leadership in whatever arrangements they've made. And so you're going to stand alongside of them as well. And maybe you don't ride that, but you ride for the team and the team has a good positive thing to say about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And And that's where I can understand people's kind of push-pull on that just a tiny bit. Yeah. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, you, you, it's, you, you just gotta, 
you gotta, if you're in a, now, okay, if you're in Target and you're not associated with the team in any way, shape, or form at that moment and somebody's a total prick, like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. But if you're in the setting of bike people or bike culture with identifiable things, you're representative of the team and you gotta, you gotta behave accordingly. Right. Full stop. So no flashing down Mount Falcon in a no rider on kit and screaming, get the F out of my way. If you're going to disregard trail (laughs) etiquette, do it in not that kit. (laughs) Please. I've told some stories in the past to you about riding in not my proudest stories, but (laughs) part of talking with your friends is confession. And you've said, please tell me you weren't wearing a base camp jersey. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Yep. Uh, but that is true. Like when I put on, when I'm, when I'm walking in our colors, you know, you mean more to the world than just you. Yep. Right. And and you got to understand that. Yep. 100%. So. Um, support and stand behind your fellow racers. Um, you know, part of that kind of rolls into being committed to the team, but I think the spirit in which I put it on a piece of paper was all of the racers. If you're in an event, everybody's gotten through the filter, right? Right. And so... Super duper duper filter, because they're not only at the event, they're at the event in the same jersey you're in. Well, but I also mean all the racers. Like all, like your racers. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. All the racers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, it's a competition, and, you know, yes, you're meant to either beat somebody or be beaten by somebody, whatever the case is. But especially when we get into some of these bigger, more backcountry events like a Leadville, like a Breck Epic, like your result isn't more important than a human. And so if you see somebody who needs support or an assist, I think we all collectively have a, an obligation as fellow racers to, to provide that if we're, if we're able, you know, um, there's so there's no secret. I I went through some legal trouble in my past, mm-hmm. and it's been shared and shared it on on my blog and done race reports and recaps. We've talked about it, but um, when I was going through all that stuff, I, I did this this boot camp program, and I'm in this boot camp program, and I remember being in there, and I was still in my own world. I'm still me, my own person, and I remember thinking that everyone around me were a bunch of pieces of shit because like. I was in a bad place going because I had done a bad thing. And so I thought all these people were pieces of shit. And I thought I was better than them and different than them. And my life is different from them. And we, yeah, we may be in the same place too, but like the way I got here is different than how you got here and fucking blah, 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 blah. Right. I remember thinking that. And uh, after a full month in this program, I had a drill instructor and a drill sergeant pull me aside and put my nose against a wall and, uh, and put their, their lips literally in each of my ears, one on each side. And, and they're saying, Hey dude, because they had an in-point time to kick you out of the program. And if they kicked you out of the program, you were going to deal with the full ramifications of what had been put on your head, which wasn't good. And they go, we're not going to kick you out, but you're going to kick yourself out because you think you don't belong and you think you're better and you think you're different. And because of that, like, you're going to ruin yourself. And I remember I went to bed that night, dude, and I like, like I bared my head because I don't want anyone to hear me, but I bawled my eyes out for like hours. I didn't sleep that night and just bawled and bawled and bawled. And I remember waking up the next morning and finally like there was a veil lifted and I saw that 
I was actually wearing the exact same clothes as the guy who I thought was a piece of shit the totally. day before. And the next guy in, the, in this whole grass group, and like on, 30 on, people, yep. right? And I was like, wow, dude, like, you're, you're actually exactly the same. And that was probably to this day, that was the most, that was the biggest revelation in my entire life to this day about just the human existence. And we too often see ourselves separated from a group because we know our own story and we don't know their story. And I know my story and my story is either pretty hard or my story is pretty badass or my story is pretty cool or my story is successful. So fuck your story, right? And I've raced that way before. I've been at races and acted that way. Mm-hmm. And I've won races and acted that way, right? Still to this day, like I'm, I'm flawed. I still deal with this. And when I get done, I didn't have the community feel that comes from racing happily with another group versus racing angrily against the whole group. Right. And that's, that was like, that's like my way to put it into through experience, how I've learned how much more enjoyable the sport is. And this idea of being on a team is when you do like melt the me away from it all and just be part of a, we yeah across the whole race. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I, because in my racing experience so far, I haven't been at the pointy end of a race. The number of times I've happily stopped to fix somebody's bike because I am a mechanic and I do have shit on me and I do have the know-how and the knowledge. Um, or um, the scariest one was uh, when that guy at Leadville passed. Yeah. Like I literally came up over the top of, uh, uh, what is it, pipeline? No, power line right when they started chest compressions on that guy. And they were like, we just need somebody who can get down the hill because nobody has cell phone. And I wasn't one of the people that stayed, but I started hauling the mail down uh, towards Turquoise Lake. And, you know, in the, that's an extreme scenario, but, you know, I'll always happily trade five minutes on the side of the trail to help a, another racer. And I think anybody should. And that's, you know, um, that isn't always... And it's not always stopping and giving someone a tube or a CO2 or seeing if they're all right or helping them get a chain back on, right? That's that's at the finish line. That's when people are coming through in a multi-lap race. Mm-hmm. That's before the event. That's after the event. Like, you're going to go back to your normal life, you know what I mean? And you're probably not going to be whisked away in, like, a private helicopter to the next bike race you're not event going to the, that you're sponsored you're at. You're not going to the... the <laughs> The Swanee's tent to get a rub down. And yeah, like, like, <laughs> like it's just, it's not going to happen. So like, so remember that when you're yeah. out there too, Yeah, you know? Um, yeah, you're all in it together. So support and stand behind each other. Yeah. And so, uh, and I'm going to double down on that. If you're part of a team, uh, you're going to watch every person on that team finish. Yep. I don't care what, like plan ahead. Hey, you, I was the last one across the line for our team at the last race. And they were all there. Everybody was there. They, you know, now, Three minutes after I was there, they, they were gone. They were fucking in the wind. But, you know, I, I and, still got to see my whole team when I came across yeah. the line. And, and that's, you know, you want to find one quick way to start cutting people off in the back of a team? Yeah. Leave before they finish. Yep. Right? Like, if you're the person making a plan after the plan, mm-hmm. then you're probably not the right person to be on this team. Yeah. Um, this is the plan. <laughs> and if that means it's going to happen until 2 p.m. Yeah. or till like 7 p.m., like, hedge it. Yep. Plan for it. Yeah. You know, book the sitter for longer. You're in it until we all finish. Definitely. All right. 
Anybody want to anybody, anybody want to join this team? Yet? Yeah, like it's just, we have a lot of fun. <laughs> Selling people uh, militant freaking no, saluters. I, I think if you get this bullshit out of the way, like, and I say bullshit because it's the boring stuff. It's the uh, I got to read the this or I got to listen to the this. If you get this out of the way up front, then it can just all be fun. Every relationship is that. That's another Every- one of my favorite. You know, I I take in a lot of media through podcasts and videos, or a lot of I take in a lot of my knowledge through podcasts and videos, um, and you know, one of the one of uh, Jocko's big things, and that's the second time we talked about him. I don't have some crush on him; he just has a cool podcast sometimes. Is uh, discipline creates freedom, and if you can create discipline surrounding this set of guidelines or, or this code of conduct that we're coming up with. Once that's established, you play then it's just all yeah. fun. Yeah. Once it's out of the way, it's all fun. Um, so be gracious. And I started with treat your shop well, because that's a near and dear thing to me, but just cause you're on a team, it doesn't mean you're Russell Finsterwald. So don't, don't roll in there. I'm on X team. And I need my bike tuned up for this weekend. Like that, you know, like just like understand that. Yes, you're on a team and yes, there's a typically a shop component. Be cool to the guys at the shop, right? Be, be gracious towards them. Hey, you know, show up with donuts, six pack of Coke, some beer, bottle of tequila, Hey, I was wondering if I could slide you this in an extra 20 and I need this looked out or, or take it a step better, plan your life better right. and get your bike tuned up three weeks before your event. Right. But be gracious to the people who are supporting the bike side of your, your racing career. So I'm going to give you from the non-shop point of view, cause that was, you know, that's the shop owner supporting the team, right? Yeah. Um, because I know that I have access to a shop that can do anything that they need to do on my bike and they can get anything they need, there's never a last minute thing because I have infinite access to you. Right. So so instead of like rushing in with a hot mess and then demanding and expecting and being like, it's but it's for me, but it's hey, like at any point in time, you know what? That's thing that rattles kind of weird or that noise is a little off. Instead of ignoring it and putting it off and putting it off and then coming in like a hot mess, I know that I have access. Because I'm part of this team, I have like this communal community closeness to the shop. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap that shoulder before it's a major issue. Yeah. Like I have – I can always ask you a question. Yeah. And not that your other customers can't. No. Right? But you, – You have a higher level of access. Totally. And everyone on the team <laughs> Everyone does on too. the team does too. And so you could actually almost treat the shop well – and respect the shop by taking advantage of that and, yeah. and, and using it so that it works for everybody, you know? I think, yes, 100%. But I also think that, you know, we have a smaller community. You know, we have reference teams in this, in this region that have 100, 200 racers. Um, I urge those bigger teams and those those racers to, to just be more courteous and more gracious towards the shops that are supporting them, especially, you know, during those summer months when racing is crazy, don't roll in like you're some Billy badass. Like if you were that badass, you'd have a private mechanic. 
uh so just be be gracious to to your shop you know treat your shop well take care take care of the guys who take care of you yeah and you know if if you're finding that hard to swallow i've been a challenge here's what i want you to do find that hard to swallow i want you to grab a pair of snips okay and i want you to snip one of your spokes and then i want you to figure that shit out on your own yeah because i'll tell you what Sitting outside the fire, <laughs> all right. Sitting outside the fire at Shenandoah 100 and putting my own spoke in gave me all of the freaking gave me so much more appreciation for Mo and what he stands for here at Base Camp. Because I'm trying to put one spoke in a wheel, and this dude just relaced a whole wheel for me the other week, like that. In way a, quick. Wait, and I'm like, dude, it took me like 40 minutes to get the spoke out of another wheel and in this wheel one spoke and I had to look at it twice to make sure I had it like woven the right way. So it wasn't the wrong. And I was like, dude, all this shit takes so much longer. You know, I do my own tires and stuff now yeah. at the house that all takes way longer than y'all realize. Yeah. Oh, I got to put a new tire on, but I punctured the tape or the tape's bad. I got to retape it. Well, if I tape, I got to strip it, got to clean it. I got to clean it. I got to do it. And then you like, it's way longer. Everything that we do here is way longer than you think. Yep. Yeah. And so do it once. Go ahead. Put one spoken by yourself. <laughs> um yeah, it's 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 an interesting uh it's an interesting place to be sometimes. Dude, but, I have um, learned COVID gave me a lot more respect for what the shop does. Yeah, yeah, and you've become tremendously self sufficient this year. I'm trying. No, you've done you've done awesome. You've you've only come in asking for stuff when it's like I I'm not buying a hundred dollar tool to do it. Dude, it's the tools. Yeah. Um and like a, a, the risk factor. Some yeah. of them are like a risk factor thing. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I know I could probably do this. Like the other day, I redid my whole um, headset. I cleaned it and re-greased it and all that. Like as a it's non-professional. Just, just but as a non-professional mechanic, when your fork drops out of the bike frame, you're like, this <laughs> is all broken. It's everything broke. Like the head just <laughs> fell off my wife, and I don't know how to plug it back on. Um, but you have taught me a lot this year. Case in point. Riding with Abby again, riding yesterday. She came in last week, had a shifting problem, mm -hmm. and um, she was hardly put it in the stand. And he did some stuff, and she goes, But like, he didn't go like ride it or anything. I'm like, No, I mean, Harley puts it in the stand, does some stuff. So we're riding yesterday, and in her 52, she's getting a little a skip, and yeah. uh, and she was dealing with it, but then I was riding behind her, like being fun husband guy, and it was annoying me. And so I was like, Just pull over real quick, and it was just a cable dial, yep. right? And then she goes, Well, what? And I go, You can't simulate that in the stand, right? Like, yeah, they adjusted it at the shop, but when you go and ride, like you can't simulate the force that you're putting in your 50 tooth going straight up this hill. And so fortunately, Harley's taught me what that needs to do and two Done. dials of the deal. You're off and running. And you're off and running. She goes, oh, wow, that's totally cool. And I go, yeah, but that like, you got to go out and do that, you know? Totally. So, um, so treat your shop well. Um, take the time, and I, this is personal experience. My wife has been tremendously... Uh, Shit, everybody in my life has been tremendously supportive of my aspirations as a, you know, over 35 back of the pack sport racer. <laughs> um, but, you know, committing to the, to the lifestyle um, isn't just you. This is a huge sacrifice. It's time away from your friends. You know, the, if, it's, if it's riding buddies, most of your rides need to mean something. And if they're not racing... Most of their rides just need to mean fun. And so, you know, if you're taking time away from them, if it's your friends who don't ride, fucking forget about it. Like if it's your like going out to dinner and drinking and having a, living a decadent life group of friends, they don't see you. 
Right. Um, and the same with your family. Like if you've got a wife or a husband or just a, somebody who means that you cohabitate with, that you're sharing a life with, if you've got kids, if you've got dogs, like you're taking time away from those people to pursue this thing at whatever level. So take time to show appreciation and be, be thankful towards them. You know, um, I, I, I thought over the weekend, I thought a cool episode would be having our, having oh, our wives on, <laughs> both of them, right? Yeah. So all four of us on the episode, and not really telling them what it's going to be about, mm-hmm. and then bring them on and say, hey, listen, all the gloves are off. No filtering, no editing, no like... Yeah, just say what you need to say. Say what you need to say. How has it been being married to people... To, to married to two guys that are so into this thing. Like, what is, what is it? Like, what if you had, to, I've, I thought about that episode and I think it would be like intense. <laughs> it would be, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that, but I think it'd be really cool. It'd be good. But it would, it, because we're, because we responded that way, we know that we probably owe some more thanks even than we've given. Yeah, for sure. Um, so take yeah, take the time to thank your family and your friends and, and show appreciation towards them. Um, and then be appreciative of your sponsors. Like you may not get that much, quote unquote, but you're getting something for just being a bike rider. Right. Like remember when you were first doing this? Hey, you remember when you had to buy nutrition? You bought all that shit. Yeah. You that you bought all now you don't buy it. How cool is that? Yeah. Um, and granted, you know, not everybody on our team gets free stuff all the time, but, you know, we have an event coming up here and nutrition and hydration is handled. Yeah. You're going to get free, cool, free product that you've had to buy. And it's like considerable cost, yeah. you know? And, yeah. And it's not cheap stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what is, are you going to call? a sponsor and be like, Hey man, I'm this no, nobody sport racer. Thank you for hooking me up. No, but everybody has an Instagram account. Tag them, say thanks, move on. It takes two minutes. And you know, that's, that's, that's kind of how this all works, right? This is the, the, that's the, the way this whole thing kind of comes into being is, is we know that it goes both ways that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're sponsored and supported by Enduro Bites and, you know, they've given you and I product, um, directly, uh, for our personal use that we have in turn trickled down to our team members, um, and kept some back for ourselves because that's my bag of beta red. You can't have it. Um, <laughs> um, and then within that partnership, I continue to, to stock it here at the store but all of our team members get just, hey, you just wear a jersey. We have the same matching outfit, so you get 15% off all your nutrition. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but, you know, like today, they had a little post. I participated in the post. I told them what flavor I like. They commented back. You know, we had a, a two. It, it's it's so simple and so easy. It's, it's faster than sending a text message. Like, you and I will text message all fucking day. Um, and I'll get free shit out of you for anything. <laughs> <laughs> you sold me $90 worth of bottles of bottles of recovery water that I forgot. Cause it was right when I first woke up. <laughs> uh, that's um, awesome. You know, but, uh, yeah, just if a company supports you, no matter, it may not be free stuff, maybe it's discounted stuff, but, um, take a minute throughout the season and, and, and show that some kind of appreciation. 
And then the last section on here, be loyal. I like this. You and I talked about, I mean, it, 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 I won't go into details, but it would have been easy to explore other options for fun, funding the podcast right now. But we have a partnership and we have a relationship with a, with a company. And it's easy to move on to the new and shiny thing because it's this or it's that. But build the relationship and that kind of go, you know, that's our layer as captains of the team to the sponsors, but from the team members to the captains, you know, maybe there's another team that's like, oh, we'll do this or we'll do that. Be loyal to your people, whoever your people are. Yeah, there's, um, so I, d- I deal with this with pricing is really hard, right? Mm-hmm. Now, pricing is a little bit easier on the retail side of things, like for the stuff that I sell in the gym or the mm-hmm. stuff you sell here, because yeah. there's like standard retail yeah, pricing. Yeah, SRP. Right? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, this is standard retail pricing. This is what it, this is just what it costs everywhere. So like if, if you want to buy uh, noon recovery at E3, it's 35 bucks because it's at 35 bucks at any store, yeah. right? Yeah. I, uh, saw, I saw noon uh, hydration at King Supers today and it's exactly the same price as it is here at Basecamp. Yeah, because it's the price. Service is very different. Yeah. Service now, there is no like unified. Like, this is I different. give better service than X. Yeah. I so, think I give better service here at Basecamp than Bike Village gives. I'll sure 100% shit tell you that my service at E3 is a hell of a lot better than you're going to get at Orange Theory. Yeah. Period. <laughs> okay? But you got to price that, and then you have to defend that price. Yep. Right? And so one thing a lot of people in service do, uh, if you're new to the game or if you're trying to grow your business, is, well, I'll make it cheaper than the other guy, and then people will come here, and you, and you price cut. The problem with price cutting is that once you start price cutting – that's your only strategy. Mm-hmm. You never can then provide a service and, and, and make value uh, your big thing because you've already said price cutting is your thing. It's all about price. It's not about value. It's about price. So I'm going to slash price and slash price and slash. It's not, I'd never have dropped my prices at E3 and I'll run like 50% off promos. I'll do a BOGO. I don't do Groupon. We're not po- Nothing against those things. For other people, if you're going to do a price strategy, that's great, but you're going to live in that world forever. And that is how I view loyalty, which is if you're going to jump ship because, oh, this package is better. I'll go over there. I'll go over here. I'll go. You're always going to be that person. And when you are labeled that person, then you're not, your value just went down, right? Your value just went down because you're just going to jump around, right? You're a one night stand or a, yeah, from your perspective or my perspective, how much time and energy am I going to invest in this asset? Yeah, because it's going to move to the next person going to give them like yeah. more stuff on the front end. Yeah. Um, when you're part of a team, oftentimes the return is is on the back end much further down the line. Like uh, when people joined our team this year, we had, we had a team night, we had some free stuff, we had some giveaways, and we had some discounts on initial ordering and, and whatnot. It wasn't massive. No one walked out of here with a free bike, right? It wasn't huge. It was a little bit. But throughout this year, there have been group rides and text chats and community events and community chats and underground races and all of this other stoke that is way on the back end of this. And go to next year and the following year. And imagine being three years deep on this team and the bond you're going to have 
that doesn't come if you're going to jump ship. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, it, the payoff, and and that's, I get inundated with new stuff constantly. Like, whether it's protective gear or, you know, bikes themselves, shoes, apparel. Um, but I have relationships that are more meaningful than a helmet that's 50 grams lighter or, or whatever. Right. So, you know, be loyal to the relationships, be loyal to the team. Um, and just define yourself as that person. Yeah. There's a, um, there's a great book. If you, if you want to spend some time on this, that Peter Thiel wrote the book zero to one. And it's all about how to, how to start something, right? How to go from zero to one. And he comments that, you know, if you want to be great at something, create a monopoly in your thing, right? Like if Harley's going to be the best bike shop, service oriented, mountain bike oriented shop in Denver, then be a monopoly on that. Be so good at that, that it's irrefutable that like, this is the best place to go for mountain bike service, period. Like just the way it is, period. And the way to do it in this book is either be first, right? Or be 10 times greater than the one that's already out there, right? And that's the strategy through this book, again, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. And being 10 times greater is really hard. And being first is really hard, Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so if you found a thing that you want to be a part of and, and, it, and it jives with you, if this whole episode jives with you and you want to be a part of it, great. Ask yourself, do you want to be part of it so much that it's going to take something 10 times greater to move me away? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that's loyalty, right? It, now, again, if you find a team that's 10 times better, that's a huge jump. I'd probably a say massive jump. Switch jerseys. Yeah. Somebody's <laughs> going to give you a bike. Go ahead. Go, yeah, go there. And then um, so I give them my name too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's a good, uh, just a, it's a good reminder way to look at a reminder yep um and i wrote this last one for myself you did yeah because i saw it on there and i'm like duh and then i mean i know who i am right okay so the last one is race to win and when i first typed out the show note it said race to win dot 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 and the dot 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 was going to lead to even if you know you're not gonna um and then on the way here, I was listening to a podcast and um, one of the guys on it says, do you want to be a bike racer or do you want to do a bike race? Because there's two very, like, yeah. two very different mindsets there. Huge mindset shift. Um, if you want to be a bike racer, go out thinking, go out as hard as you can, race as hard as you can, race like you're going to win. Race to win. May come in dead last, but you went out with the mentality of a bike racer. You know, um, we got a guy on the team, and he's been trying to get this time on our weekly rides on Falcon, right? And uh, the dude comes out so like he's on my rear wheel. Okay, <laughs> at the beginning, the guy he's not as fast as me, right? But he's on my wheel, on my wheel for the first like 11 minutes of the ride. <laughs> and every every time, every week, I'm thinking, am I riding slow? Because he's like on my wheel. And then he disappears. Yeah. Right? And uh, just recently, 
he's on my wheel and I'm hollering back, stay on my wheel, right? right. Stay with, and he stayed with me for the for the bulk of it and then he and then he disappeared. That dude races to win every, every time, time he rides his bike. He's gonna win a race next year. He's gonna win a race next year. He blows up though. Like blows up. But we, the only way he that's that's just committing to the like he's gonna one day he's not gonna. Right. We have we have a guy who never blows up, but who never rides his fastest. He finishes the ride every time. And he can ride forever, but he never even risks blowing up because he never races to win. He doesn't even ride to win. He rides. He rides well. He's going to do all right, but he's never going to be that guy because he doesn't risk blowing up. You got to risk blowing up. And and I wrote it. The reason I you know I wrote it just as much for myself as anybody else is I'm getting there, but I'm not there. Like mm-hmm. you know, if you reference the Highland Ranch series, um, you could see over a progression of three weeks that I was getting there, like getting a lot closer to that. You know, and I was still finishing like in the back twenty five percent, but it doesn't matter. No, we the, we like we fortunately have heart rate data to show like it's literally your heart rate data is what we watch yeah. and go yep. oh kind of we're there. Wow, you like shifted and then whoa, shifted, yeah. right? Like you got to see it. Yeah. Um, and at the the oil coiled and oiled or whatever race, like you could see where things went awry in the heart rate data. Like I I charged out of the gates like I was gonna win it. And honestly, the first lap of that race, I felt amazing. And I was riding way further. I hit the single track way further up than I anticipated and was riding with groups, you know, with people that like I was in a group. I didn't just get shot out the back. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but whatever your story is, every time you line up, race to win. Guys, that's what it takes to be a racer, at least on no ride around. And man, if every team, and again, we're not the gurus, right? No, like this is our first this year. Is, this is first year doing this thing. This is just our our shit. Okay, these are our hangups, not not anybody else's. But I think if you followed this, it's kind of like a multivitamin. I'm gonna take one. I don't know if that shit does anything for me, but sure, shit ain't gonna hurt me. Yeah. Right. If you if you kind of follow this code, whether you race on our team or another team or you just race by yourself, I did that for years. Right. You're gonna be a better human racing this way. Um, but if you're going to race on our team, you're sure shit going to follow it. And if you don't, we just don't want you to be part of our team. doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's just that you're an embodiment of what, of what is important to us, like written on our heart, important to us. And so we want you to know, well, a, what is that? And B, can I fulfill it? It's up to you now to answer the question. Heck yeah. Well, I think we've painted a, uh, dismal enough picture of our team, <laughs> <laughs> but we got pink on our kits. We do. So we liven it up. Yeah. Um, but like I said, you know, if if we can as a, as a as a group of racers, you know, currently, you know, we'll see what happens after this last opportunity for people to race. But we have thirty people in our team as it sits right now, and if those thirty people can at least commit to this way of being on a team, then all the fun just happens. Yeah, and then it's just it's just green light, and we're gonna bring the right people to join that thirty. Yeah, totally. So, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. You're not done! So get the fuck out! You're